Hey there, you're welcome to Founders Connect, a show where I have conversations with amazing entrepreneurs and operators in Africa. This is the right show for you to be listening to if you love behind the scenes stories about people, their careers, and not your businesses. My name is Pisitimi, and I'm very, very, very delighted to be your host. You can follow this conversation on social media, hashtag Founders Connect. You can watch the video of each episode on my YouTube channel at PCTME or just search for Founders Connect on YouTube to find the playlist. Also, please share this podcast, subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, leave a rating, and you know, share it, hashtag Founders Connect. Enjoy the episode. Hey guys, my name is Pisitimi and I'm your host for Founders Connect. On this show, I have conversations with amazing entrepreneurs and operators in the African tech ecosystem. Today, I'm having a conversation with Kemi. She's the founder and CEO of Baby Migo. It's one of my favorite products because they do something that's completely different from most of the companies that we've featured here. So stay and make sure you watch this video to the end. Hi, Kemi. Hi, Pis. How are you doing today? Very well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for honoring this invitation. We're very excited. Collectively, the entire crew <laughs> is excited to have this conversation with you. Thank you. Okay, so I, I mean, I know you watch a couple of my shows, but one Absolutely. of the key things that I really like to do is to focus it on the people, right? Like, really want to hear your story. And then eventually we'll talk about like the company and what you're currently building. And the story doesn't start until you learn like your background. So like, tell me as much as you can, as much as you're willing to share about where you grew up, how you grew up, what it was like. Okay. Okay. So I grew up in Lagos. I mean, I've done everything in Lagos from, <laughs> I mean, I was giving birth to in Lagos. I went to University of Lagos. I served in Lagos. Like I think my parents just oh, wow. didn't want me to leave Lagos. <laughs> <laughs> so I grew up in Lagos. Um, I grew up in a very loving, close-knit family. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I grew up in a very close-knit family, and like I said, my parents are actually teachers. So my dad is a retired principal, and my mom is also a retired teacher who worked with the Lagos State Government um, and rose to deputy director level up until she um, retired. So I feel like that sort of contributed a lot to how my parents trained me. Right. You know, they were very, very invested in you know um, every little thing. I was, I always make a joke that even when I went for like my jam and you know pursuit and all, all that kind of stuff, my parents mom would always like follow, she would be the one to own, take me there she would stay outside the hall wait until <laughs> i'm done with the exam and then say okay oh, are you done myself. well does you know, so <laughs> my mom is you know she's a very my parents are very very caring and you know all that kind of stuff um i mean so i went to primary school and secondary school as well in, in lagos and then my secondary school was the school where my dad was a principal so <laughs> i can imagine i was i had to be proper i had to be proper, <laughs> proper because and i remember i mean this is just a random story i remember um in the, then this uh, midnight call thing just started uh, and I mean it was fun to me I didn't even have any boyfriend to be honest at the time and I was just having this cool midnight call with my friends it was a conference call it was free and my dad just heard me peace I was going to be flogged on the assembly it was possible so that was how how much I had to be, you know, pretty much because my parents. But yeah. aside that, though, they're very welcoming. It was easy to talk to them. And even till now, we're very, I'm like the typical daddy's girl. So you have siblings? Very, yeah. No, actually. Oh, so you're the only child? Yes, I am. That's interesting. <laughs> what would you say was your all-time favorite childhood memory? Going out with my dad. Yeah, so we used to, we used to do like a lot of, um, we used to do a lot of dates. So when it's like uh, maybe my birthday, Children's Day, Easter, all that kind of stuff, I was always so excited because my dad was going to take me. So I'm going to dress up and go and get my outfits. My mom would be like, okay, I know you guys are going out, so you would dress up and they would go out and all that kind of stuff. So I think going out with my dad was... Are you guys still very close? Very, very close. Is there a a lesson or two that you learned from your dad that still like guides you as a person right now? I think that... 
when I, I mean, looking at then growing up and like relationship with, you know, um, the other party in general, I, I think that I just didn't have like the bias that people now have mm. with, um, you know, the opposite sex, just because of the relationship I had with my dad. So I, I never really experienced, um, you know, any kind of negative. So I just never had that. Um, so I never had this mindset, strict yeah. Mindset, you know about the no. I never had that because of the kind of relationship. It was very irresponsible. Was very responsible. He is very responsible and a very invested. So I just really never had that. Yeah, that makes sense. That's really nice. So tell me about school. Right, you went to Unilag. You studied physiotherapy. Did yes. you want to study medicine? Um, yes. <laughs> you caught you. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to study medicine. So um, I mean, if, in terms of school, I wanted to go to UI, but my dad went to Unilag, and then I also had this uncle that's very close to. Um, I mean, of blessed memory, who also went to Unilag. So my my dad. I said, that this girl wanted me to go to Unilag. So eventually I was like, you know what? It wasn't the last option. So I just went and took the shooting um, and all that kind of stuff. And then I got in through what they call the diploma, this diploma thing that they do. And then when you pass the diploma, you will get into 200 levels. So when they gave me physiotherapy for the diploma, I just felt like when I'm done, I would then move to medicine. Because if you really do well, yeah. which I eventually did. But for some reason, I had like a family friend who wanted to, you know, move me to I said, no, I just find this physiotherapy thing very interesting. That nobody's doing physiotherapy. You know what? I just think I want to go to everyone is, 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 is <laughs> let me just stay in physiotherapy so i tried to stay in physiotherapy i just found it very fascinating and just felt like it was something i, I would enjoy doing so anyway i got into physiotherapy and then in unilag what happens is that like your first year you would spend it at the university of lagos campus and then from your second year they will move you to um akoka i'm sorry idiaraba luth and then you finish up like so right. i did four years there um so i mean i started to do physiotherapy it was in, it was interesting it was okay but i, I realized that by my third third year I started to feel like you know what I'm going to I enjoy it was it was good I was doing well but I knew I wasn't going to like do clinical right. physiotherapy um, and even if I had done medicine I mean thinking about it and reflecting I'm not quite sure I would also yeah, have practiced you know I started to realize that I was very interested in other things in healthcare like okay. you know yeah healthcare administration you know all that kind of stuff tech wasn't what it was what it is now yeah so it's very hard for me to say that you know I was interested in tech as at that time because I mean it was like 2009 so it was so, just health yeah it was just health it was I just knew that you know I was going to do stuff in health. Okay, so I think that what was also a turning point for me was in my 400, no, my 300 or 400. I can't even seem to remember right now. I decided to contest. So I had taken several positions on like the departmental level, but then the um, College of Medicine has like this unified body called Comsa. Mm. And it's like a student union government for you know those in low. So it covered like every department, medicine, physiotherapy, pharmacy, all that kind of stuff. So I decided to contest for vice president, and it was very unusual. What was very unusual was that you know um, the department I was coming from, physiotherapy. I'm not quite sure anyone from physiotherapy had gone for that position, right. and it was big. It was serious business then. Like <laughs> it's, kind of, it's literally like I, I would always say that it's, it was a, it's a mirror of like the Nigerian politics. That's how mm. it was. Like you have to do posters. You go to classes to um, campaign. campaign. You go to rooms you would take like pictures you would come up with a tag all that kind of stuff it was very major for me and i feel like that was a very turning point for me in school my parents as usual were very supportive in fact my mom was scared but my dad it was, he even sent money for my campaign. He sent money for the, He said, go, go, that's my daughter. So anyway, I contested for that. And then when I started, when I eventually won, 
because um, I, I had... Also, oh, you did win. Oh, yeah, I did win. I did win. Um, I had someone, I think, from Pharmacy who contested against me. But that was a very... Um, that was a game changer for me because it sort of exposed me to um, leadership. It right. exposed me to uh, managing people. You had to, like... You were responsible for everyone in school, literally. Right. Um, so it was, a, it was a turning point for me, not just in school, but I think in life in general. Yeah. That experience was definitely... It was, a, a and it was be mostly because of the leadership angle from it. Yes, it was a leadership angle, and then there was the way the way the thing is is that the the kind of exposure it also gave. So you would usually have like meetings with, apart from the provosts of the school, you would have like meetings with the vice chancellor of Unilag. You would have like external meetings. The SUG also had like an old building that we had to manage. So it just, it was just, like, it was just different from what I was used to. And, and I felt right. like that kind of yeah, reiterated my, exposure. yeah. I, I feel like it kind of reiterated and, and just kind of helped me really understand that, you know what, I don't want to do clinical practice. Mm. I want to do something around leadership, around business or whatever it is but not just the typical um, clinical practice yeah that's interesting so i know that when i looked through your linkedin so you did radio for a while yeah. then you went to bora and you were like a communications yeah. officer before baby migo so run me through your campaign your I said campaign <laughs> your career up uh, until when you started baby migo um okay so when i finished from school i mean it's kind of um it, it wasn't like a linear path it wasn't like just one just one straight line it was kind of um you know turnings here and there but when i finished from um unilag you have to do, like this one year compulsory internship so i did it in uh, a private hospital a very popular private hospital in Surulere. um so during that time i had also volunteered with um um, a body very popular to in healthcare called the Nigerian Healthcare Excellence yeah. Awards. And that experience also was very, it kind of opened me up to communications and media. Right. Now for media, um, I'd always been involved in media from even when I was in, in school. Right. So because of healthcare, so like I said, I've never been like a clinical practice person, but I've always enjoyed every other part of healthcare. So right. that kind of pushed me to media and healthcare as well. Right. So I, I had like a health show on Yilag FM, right. I went ahead to Rhythm FM, I went to Silverbed, so it was like, it was overlapping. So you're doing media, but really about health. Yes, it right. was about health, yeah. So um, so when I worked at Havana Hospital, um, I also, I, I headed the women's health unit. So what we used to do then was that I think every Wednesday would have women come to the department and they would have to do like stuff like kegel exercises, all that kind of medical stuff, you know, for them. Um, and, and I would realize how, um, how interesting they enjoyed, they really enjoyed it. And beyond that, they would always chat with one another. I just felt like they enjoyed the community that mm. that brought. Um, so anyway, eventually at some point, like I said, it wasn't like a linear path. Yeah. You know, I kind of did all these things here and, and there. Um, in 2016, I then met my co-founder, um, Adelui Olarimwaju, I mean, absolutely brilliant, very brilliant. <laughs> one of the most intelligent people that I've met. Intelligent and very strategic. Um, so I met him and he's a like techie, techie person. Right. Right. Um, and so I met him in 2016, we, we didn't have the plan for Baby Migo or anything at the time um, because he was doing um, Safer Mom, so we didn't really have that plan. But anyway, um, we got talking, um, and one thing led to another. And in 2018, we then decided to start Baby Migo. Like I said, um, it wasn't a linear path for me because even in 2018, when we started, um, and it was as, as a co I joined as the co-founder, I wasn't actively involved in the day-to-day -day running. Um, like now that you know, I'm not the yeah. CEO. So yeah, that's how that was. So happened. tell me more about just starting Baby Migo. Like, at what point did you and Olari um, Wadjo decide? You know what? This is something that we want to build together. What was your role like? What was those very early 12 months like for Baby Migo? Well, the early 12 months in 2018, in fact, if I, had, if I have to be very honest, I'd say that we didn't really start 
Um, and it, we always say we started in 2018, but to be honest, we didn't really start till really much later because mm. 2018 and early 2019 was a lot on building the product. Mm. It was a lot of building the product. We did we had you know quite a couple of um, public interaction, but it was a lot of building the product. Um, long hours. Um, like I said, for me, um, my area of expertise is a lot around marketing, communications, and also um, Ola, my co-founder, you know, was the one who really had that that right. tech. Mm. you know, tech experience, tech background. So, but for me, it was really more of marketing, you know, communications and all that kind of stuff. Um, so the early days for us was a lot of um, hard work. Um, and, and, you know, maybe I, as we continue, I'll really just share how that, you know, I feel like it's building is a long-term game. Yeah. Um, entrepreneurship is really a long-term game. If you're looking for like um, fast, quick wins, yeah. right? I'm not sure that building a startup um, is the best way. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. And what's also interesting is that when people see a lot of startups right now that are doing very well, and you kind of, which is why I, you know, I like the the angle of you know founders connect. When you really listen to their story, you find that many of them have maybe done other things in the past that have sort of now led them to that point where, where they, they were able that. to fast track. They had that what we call overnight success, mm -hmm. right? Um, so it was it was really long hours of building the product. Yeah. So when you guys eventually built the product and started to launch, how did you guys get first? the models to even adopt it. Um, we did a lot of ads, definitely. We use social media, media, but it's really important to mention that the it's a big need in the market. I mean, mm. we were solving a, a real problem, right? So for anyone, I mean, you may not have had kids and all of that, but for like any parent, community is major. And let's even let's even leave parenting and pregnancy and all that kind of stuff. Even something as simple as career, you'd most likely thrive better if you're in a community with other people that are in the same career path as you are. Um, I mean, I think I watched a, one of your videos and you had mentioned that when you got to you know London how that you met up with other yeah. tech entrepreneurs so I feel like community is, is extremely important to thrive in whatever it is that you're doing so with that being said because we're really solving we're solving a genuine problem mm. how that you know a lot of mostly new moms like you've not had it you've spent all of your life cruising around <laughs> town enjoying life then you get married all of a sudden you need to take care of someone else like how yeah. where do you even start from do you how would you buy for the baby what what will you do how do you even go about it so um i mean we use a lot of social media and media but it was i wouldn't use the word easy mm. but it was um moms accepted what we were doing very quickly because it was something that they really needed and we get calls like every day i get a lot of messages every day moms really sharing oh thank you very much and even with our new products of mom really sharing all of these things so it's a genuine i mean we were really solving like a, a real problem and that moms can relate to yeah to. and Tell me what that real problem is, because mm. I was just like, oh, some people might not know exactly what Baby Migo mm. is. So yeah. how would you describe yeah. Baby Migo? Okay, so Baby Migo is Nigeria's fastest growing parenting and pregnancy platform community. And what we do is that we provide tools, resources, now culturally relevant tools and, and resources. So the thing is that people can say something like, oh, you know what, there are other parenting platforms in the US and the UK. But the challenges that are peculiar to the Nigerian environment, to the African environment, is very unique. Sure. You can't, a, 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 a mom who has a baby, like a, a, a what's it called, a citizen of London, or you give, your, give it to your baby in the US or whatever it is. I mean, you may not have the problem of your, your mom coming for Omugo and force feeding your baby. <laughs> you may not have to hear anything about, oh, your baby's having a cup, let me put thread. Like, what does the American know about <laughs> something like that? Like, where does that even come from? You know, and these things are numerous. I can't even count like several things that I hear. Yeah. You know, people, their baby doesn't turn at nine months and they say they want to take a go. Like, where do you hear that in developed countries, right? So we're building for our people. Mm. You know, there may be other platforms, but we are solving a culturally relevant problem. And so what we do is that we provide community, 
we built two, we've built tools, and then we also provide resources and hyperlocal support services. So right. in addition to all of the tools and resources that we provide, we also provide services that are peculiar and important for the African mom. And a few features of the platform is that one, um, we have community groups on different things, you know, from postpartum depression to, I mean, you're a first time mom, you can join to prayer. You know, I mean, in other countries, in developed countries, prayer might not be a big deal, but yeah. if for Nigerian moms, watch our babies fasting and prayer, or watch about to, you know, and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, so we have different communities on the platform. Another key feature of the platform is the Q&A um, feature, yeah. which, in fact, the reception to that has always been amazing. So what happens is that moms can create an account on the platform, ask a question, and we have doctors and nurses on standby that answer right. on your yes. So we have like a roast and all that kind of stuff, and then they answer your question. Um, that's extremely important because the, the big challenge as well with motherhood is that there's so many questions. I mean, if you ask an average mom whose baby is, say, two, and you say, how many questions, how many times have you had questions that you would like someone to answer? They'll say mm -hmm. maybe 100 times. Because, and if very interesting thing about motherhood and children and all that kind of stuff is that your child won't do, they won't have been doing this thing, no. and then they just maybe turn to turn 12, um, 12 months, and they just start another kind of, it's character, <laughs> behavior. <laughs> you know, that you don't even, you can't, like, uh, where do I even start from? Imagine a baby that was running all around all through the day, and then at night, baby starts running fever at 2 a.m. Where do you even go to? Mm. So um, the Q&A feature has been extremely um, helpful for moms. In addition to that, we also have different tools like the ovulation calculator, the baby named calendar, the immunization calendar, where you can actually put your um, baby's date of birth, and then it kind of shows you in the calendar format all of the immunizations that your baby needs, right, and the right dates for that. Um, we also provide like resources on a daily basis now. So every day there's a new article or resource up on the platform on different things. Like I said, with parenting and motherhood, the um, questions and the resources are limitless. Mm. So we talk about different things. I mean, I think it was, oh, it was yesterday, the article that, was it yesterday? Anyway, I can't remember. Um, the article that we shared on the platform was about placenta, and even myself, I learned quite a lot, you know, around that, you know, how that some people in Nigeria, they use placenta for skincare, some bury, some eat, some born. It, it just... <laughs> and so, who writes these articles? Um, so we have a team of experts. Right. Pediatricians, gynecologists, nutritionists, nurses, content writers. So we have a very... Um, a well-vetted team to right. write these articles. That makes sense. I mean, it sounds like you've built like a brilliant platform that has tools, resources, support. You can speak to doctors. You can get articles from like specialists. Um, are there any core mistakes that you guys have made though before you got to this point in how mm. you built Baby Migo? Well, a lot, a lot of mistakes. <laughs> a lot of, but I feel like the major one for us, like, you know, I mentioned that in 2018, we spent, we spent a lot of time, um, you know, my co-founder, especially building the tech part of things. And one thing that I, I wish we did more of was involving moms more in building the product. Mm. So we had a lot of adoption, like I said, but you know, adoption is different from involving these women in, in, how, the, you in how you're it. building the product. Yeah. So, you know, we've got to, oh no, they would prefer, because you are thinking, oh, moms would prefer A and they would actually prefer B, right? Or they would prefer A over B, all that kind yeah. of stuff. So I wish that the part where we were, the point rather where we were building the product, that we involved the moms, you know, like focus groups like we now do now, that we had that at the beginning. It would have really right. helped us, right, to, um, you know, in terms sort of, of like mistakes build, right? yeah, that we, we, we made. Yeah. Are there other, any other mistakes aside involving moms? Um, well, so... Or what would you say has been the biggest challenge so far? 
I'll definitely say that. And I think that that's, that for me definitely has to be like the biggest challenge that we had because we now eventually had to launch the 2.0 version of the platform early this year. Um, and it was a lot from the lessons that we learned, um, a lot from the feedback from the moms, and that sort of helped us to now rebuild the platform. So maybe we won't have had to, I mean, but I mean, every platform, even we go through 2.0 and all that kind of stuff, but maybe we won't have had to um, go through that that quickly if we had involved them from the beginning. Right. Right. Or, or for, you know, the and that makes sense. Yeah. And for you as a person, how would you say building a platform around mm. parenting and motherhood has maybe changed or influenced you as a person? I think it has made me very compassionate to women. Mm. Um, I mean, it's when we when we say things like "oh, gender equality, gender equity," we don't really understand what women go through in the process of having a baby pregnancy. It's a it's a game changer, literally. It's a game changer. Um, I mean, I've seen pictures of let's even start with physical appearance. I've seen pictures of women how they were looking before they had a baby, and then they have a baby, and it just changes. It, it, I would use the word it literally messes women up if you're not careful, right? From physical to even, sometimes some women just are having, um, what's it called, hair loss. You had hair before you <laughs> were pregnant, then you now have your baby and your hair just starts co coming off, right? And what is also interesting is that, you know, you can't even tell what is going to be. That's the honest. Like you can't, no matter what everyone says, no matter the story stories that you hear, you can't tell. So I think that personally, bringing the platform has helped me to be more compassionate to women. Um, yeah, and of course, from running a business, leadership, yeah. managing people. I think that managing people. I mean, when you when you asked about challenges, I think the managing people was also um, a, a major challenge that we had. You know, at the beginning, finding the right talent, mm. right. Um, we also, when we also started, right. We, I mean, I also mentioned you know building the product and all of that. We, we, it was later we realized that beyond building the tech part of things, it was also very important for us to focus a lot on um, quality talent with regards to content. Mm. Content is a huge part of what we do because of the problem we're solving. Yeah. So beyond tech, we, um, I wish at the much earlier we sort of really focused on content as much as we now do right i think it would have been very so not just building the, the tech yes, platform yes. but like the main content the, yeah the main content it was, it was very it was very important because we, we realized that even now how moms find us in beyond media and all that kind of stuff social media and all that is that you search for something search for hospital you most likely find it on baby Migo. right you ask you check a question oh like i said how do i do what do i use my baby's placenta right. what do i do to you know so content was very key would have been very helpful in the early you know, stages. In the early well, stages. I mean, it's helpful now, right? Yes, Because you have yes, a lot of yes, SEO strength. Yes. That makes sense. I mean, so when we think about your journey, right? Doing physiotherapy, doing a bit of radio and doing comms. Um, how how do you sort of like, aside, you know, we talked about when you were in Unilag and being vice president, that helped your leadership skill. I can assume that also has helped you become a better leader now because yeah. you had that. But aside being a leader in school, just doing radio and being in healthcare in school and then having like a stint in communications, how have you brought those skills or those experiences into how you are building and leading at Bimimigo? That has been very helpful because, like I said, my co-founder is a tech person. He's a, a tech person, um, so he has brought like that product, um, tech, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then what I have brought is marketing. So because of my past, like, and one thing that you know, I think I was just even talking about it on LinkedIn a few days, ago, a few weeks ago, or something. How that we don't realize that as founders or as business owners, your past experiences are very valid mm. in helping you um, with your current enterprise. So say, for example you're running let's even say something like baby migo and you your previous experience was in finance it, it, it would still be very helpful if you really sure. identify yeah so what i 
skills. Yeah, transferable skills, very extremely important. And so for me, it's really been more of transferable skills. So even in how we run our communications, how we do our social media, all of that has been because of the experience that I have, you know, in media, in communications, in marketing, because I also worked in healthcare. I did, um, I managed business of a particular company um, across the different telcos for I think about two years. So all of that has been very helpful, even in how we're thinking. So recently, I think this is like a, a way to sort of, you know, elaborate more on that. Um, we, our business model has always been on brand partnerships. Mm. So um, late last year, it's about early this year, we decided to also focus on direct to consumer. So we, did, we decided that, you know what, we're going to do brand partnerships, of course, on the side. But in addition to that, we want to launch products directly to moms that moms will be interested in. Mm. And, you know, that was, that was very important because then that would now show like, you know, communication skills, media skills and all that kind of stuff because you now need to market to these women. And that has been amazing. So we've launched, we launched one product last year and then we've launched two this year. I think we're sort of holding off on that and, you know. So the first one that we launched, well, two this year, um, has been Mama Care. And what we did was that, I always say that having a baby is, is not cheap. So it's not cheap because aside like, before when you go out, you know, you buy stuff for yourself. You look good, you buy. Now you have these tiny <laughs> children that you have to buy stuff for. And you'll see people on Instagram where, you know, having cute babies. You want your baby to be cute. And having a cute baby is not easy, right? So you have to buy all these things. So having, having a child is not cheaper. So what we did was that we decided to collaborate with um, over 120 hospitals to be able to offer discounted services right. to moms. So moms, and we've now added, there are more hospitals, it's more than 120 now. So moms can actually go to different hospitals, not just in Lagos, across different you know, states in Nigeria and access care um, and the care covers antenatal, child delivery, either a cesarean section or vaginal delivery and it also covers baby care phase up until the baby is one because right. that period is also very extremely important immunizations and all that kind of stuff um, and then we also launched these digital antenatal classes as well and that was from the lessons that we learned during COVID. So realize that during COVID, um, COVID just sort of exposed and showed us that, you know what, the solution that what we're building is more important now than mm. ever, right? It, it was, it, it, you know, before moms would maybe, you'd naturally not be doing maybe remote work and then you go to work, you'd talk to your, um, what's mm. it called, your, your, colleagues, your colleagues and ask questions. Yeah. But now you're working remotely and you are pregnant. It's just your husband, even maybe your husband is not, what would you ask? Question. Mm. So we realized that the solution that we're building, so we introduced what we call pre-class, which is like a digital antenatal service, you know, for moms that um, supports them throughout the pregnancy period up until two weeks postpartum. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, kids are doing brilliant. Like the more you talk about the products, the more mm -hmm. impressed I am. And I, mm -hmm. and I know baby may go before, right? Mm -hmm. what, what, what are the things that you're most proud of? What traction have you had or what impact have you had that you're like, oh, because we're able to do this or because we're able to hit this number is something that I'll always be grateful for. I'll take the chat. I'll say the first one has to be impact. So because of the kind of um, industry that we operate in, impact is so, somewhat is extremely important because yeah. the the feedback. How I mean, in addition to of course key metrics like numbers used, and I'm going to touch on that. Um, one of the ways that you would know that you're doing the right thing is really the feedback from the moms. Imagine yeah. a mom who just got pregnant, didn't know what to do, and she finds your platform and she's coming back coming back to you and saying that you know what, because I found what you guys, I found baby Migo because of what you guys are doing, um, and this is how it has impacted me, right? So I'd say that impact has been the biggest, and the feedback that we've gotten from moms. 
Um, the second thing I'll definitely say will be our user base. So we've re we've grown to about over two hundred thousand since we started. And um, mostly mothers, right? Yes, yes. We just. <laughs> but you know what? Very interesting thing is that recently men and I, you know, I must commend men, and that's why I said that this work kind of shows me a different side to things that people don't really usually mm. talk about. I really must commend the men of this generation. Men are becoming more involved in pregnancy and all that kind of stuff way more than you can think. Mm. There's a lot of bands around, you know, men are that, 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 that. But trust me, when we launched Mama Care two months, a few months ago, right, beyond the moms that are registered, men are actually registering for the service, for their spouse. Mm. And they are calling to say, I want to know more about this thing for my wife. Mm. I want to know more about this thing for my girlfriend and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, we've also had men be a part of what we're yeah. doing. Very important. Um, so in addition to impact, definitely users. We've grown, we've grown our users. We also had quite a number of recognitions. You know, from Google. We had the one from Google. We've had from um, Facebook. Uh, my co-founder was also a, a an Elizabeth Queens, um, a Queen Young leader. Um, we've had from I think we had one from the U.S. Department of State towards the end of towards the end of last year. So we've had quite a number of recognitions for the work that we're doing um, with maternal and child care in you know the continent that of makes Africa. sense have you guys raised money um so we've raised proceed um we're looking to now raise um but the the focus right now for us you know, i mentioned that we're now launching direct to consumer products yeah so just for the next few months we really want to focus heavy on these direct to consumer products um we've we've launched three so we're not i'm not quite sure we're going to launch any more right well, now but one scale of them. they scale those products very yeah. yeah that makes sense so when i was looking at your linkedin i saw that you guys don't have like a lot of employees and i'm like for the amount of traction that you guys have at least from the outside and we're just hearing what you're saying now and the amount of tools and resources and specialists that you have how you have you been able to manage to build such a lean team but also scale really well um, so I'm a, I'm a big believer in focusing on what will take you to your next level. Mm. So the challenge I found with, well, I won't call it a challenge, I think to, to each man is on. The thing with startups sometimes is that you're um, getting resources that you don't necessarily, that is good to have, it's a nice to have, but it's not a must have. So we're very clear on our vision. There's no, like, we know what the next three months look like. And mm. my focus is what do we need to get, what, either talent, people. And the thing to do is that with our nurses and our doctors and all that kind of stuff, the way Nigeria, the Nigerian healthcare system operates, there's a lot of brain drain. So apart from a few doctors that you'd have on a, um, a full-time basis, you can't really expect 20, 25 nurses to stop working in the hospital to, it can't really work unfortunately because of the issue yeah. that we have in Nigeria. So we have quite a number of all those nurses that are also working in the hospital, which I think is a, is, is a good thing. In fact, personally, when I interview the nurses that work with us or doctors and all that kind of stuff, I always make sure that they are working with women and children on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm. So I ask them, what do you do? So you find that many of them, they are giving antenatal classes on a regular basis. They are in the world, they are delivering babies. So they so still have they that know, fresh context yes, every time. Very it's extremely important. So that when they are answering those questions, they know, so it's not someone that hasn't even worked for five years. How right. do you really educate these moms, right? Um, so for me, I, we're very focused on the must-haves and not the nice-to-haves. That may change, 
I mean, life is about change. Let me change. Let me change in the next few uh, months or something. But we, we try to focus on you know what 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 do we really need to get done in the next few months and what do we need right. to get so done. So would I be right if I assume that most of the people who then work on your team are actually nurses and doctors, the people in the medical field who then sort of contribute content to the platform, and then people who are just there to like do cure and, and less of maybe the in-house administrative staff. Oh, we do have in-house administrative right. staff on a day to be day. That's uh, we have, and if we have in-house definitely do have in-house administrative staff and because the, the thing too is that I mean in Nigeria if you have those kind of people you need to have people that are coordinating them yeah if you don't have that coordinated things will not get done so we do have in-house administrative staff we have con um, content team social media all that kind of stuff marketing sales um, but a lot of our staff to be honest are mostly medical right. but then we now have like our the people to, just to put manage it together. Yeah, to put it together that makes sense that makes a lot of sense um, so I mean in the last four years of just building baby me go as an entrepreneur especially as a woman doing entrepreneurship what's the one lesson that has just really stuck i think building for the long term mm. yeah i think because i mean like i shared i'm not sure if it was now before we started this interview you know how i said that the thing is that when we look at um founders even founders of companies and you know abroad and all that kind of stuff is it to say oh i mean look at the founder of zoom it's, ah, it just it blew up people. It looked like an overnight yeah. success during yeah, COVID. Yeah, they've been there for a while. But they've been there for a while, building and trying to find. So I think the biggest lesson for me has been building for the long term. Building for the long term, knowing that it's not a, a short term. It's not just like a quick, quick win, thing, win, yeah. right? That you want want to get. It's really, really building for the long term. And would that be the same answer if we to direct the advice to women who want to start building their businesses? Well, I'm not quite sure. I think what people like to say, so to be honest, please, people always ask a lot of questions around women in tech and all that kind of stuff. Personally, I run the business like irregular. I don't try to put, of course, there may be different bias, biases and things like that to women, but to be honest, I don't really pay attention to it. Mm. I've run it like, you just I just focus, focus on, on my thing. So if there are any, maybe, for example, maybe you have a meeting and someone is trying to be because you're a woman, I don't even have the time because I'm very assertive. Um, I'm very firm and clear. Whatever it is that we need to do, I come to the to meetings like <laughs> I'm ready for business. I'm not coming to meeting smiling and you know all that yeah. kind of stuff. So I try to handle the business like a leader. I don't like to look at any form of gender because I feel like if you focus too much on, if you constantly use being a woman as an excuse, and this is not to invalidate mm -hmm. um, conversations around women, absolutely not. I'm sure that even myself, I may have faced those things, but I just but don't yeah, give it a on, minute. Yeah. You know, I don't even bother. I just keep it moving. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. And my final question, yeah. is there anything that you'd have wanted me to ask you that I didn't? Um, no. Or something you'd have wanted to share, but the conversation didn't swing that way to give you the opportunity to? Um, well, no, not exactly. Well, I mean, I was talking about my co-founder, um, you know, who I'm very thankful, <laughs> you know, um, because to, to be honest, he sort of was the CEO for, you know, for the early part of the business. Right, so why did he get switch? COVID. Um, well, I think it was just a matter of one after COVID. I, I, I think I mentioned prior to the interview that yeah. COVID was a it was a very reflective period yeah. for for us, right? And after COVID, um, we just realized that first one I'm a, a woman, but that wasn't just the only reason. It was just more of a priority change um, for us, and we just felt like it was something that I, I could you know take yeah. on now fully, and it, it was just a perfect 
time for me to take on this. If, you, if you're going to go back, would you still take the role as CEO? Or would absolutely, you? I enjoy it. <laughs> I, I enjoy it. I enjoy. I absolutely enjoy what we do. I enjoy what we do. I enjoy the team that we have. We were finally able to crack team building, so I enjoy the team that we have. Um, I'm excited for the future. <laughs> and, and what is that future? Yeah, yeah. If you're going to share uh, in a few minutes. I'd say one, definitely expansion. We have a lot of expansion plans. Um, we are also looking to scale our products, like I've, I've yeah. mentioned, because um, a lot of funding um, you know, discussions as well going on. Uh, I think there's a lot, <laughs> a lot, and I'm just I'm <laughs> excited I'm, for what's to come. That's amazing. I think the one thing that has really struck me from your interview is when you said that um, a lot of the things that you've done has kind of just led you to here. When you're mentioning that, oh, so you've always like health, but then you're not really particular about doing something health, but you ended up here and just kind of like the importance of just continuing that line. And then when you also mentioned that if there's something that you guys would do differently, it would be to build with, with mothers in mind from the one and not just like, oh, I have this idea, let me just go ahead and build the product. Yeah. But how do we take like people feedback? Because a lot of people just start and they just run with the idea. But you forget you're building for someone and yeah. those are the people that really Absolutely. matter when building. So. Yeah, I've definitely learned a few things from your story. So thank you so thank much you. for sharing me. Do you have any last words before we close? Um, no, I don't think I have. I think I've said a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was, it was, everything was awesome. Just like learning about, and you know, something that struck as well was when I said to explain Baby Migo and you just kept going. I kept going, I'm like, yeah, this oh. is <laughs> someone that really knows her product and loves to talk about the product. So yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for thank sitting down with me to have this Hey, thank you so much for listening to this podcast to the end. I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I hope that you have been inspired or motivated to get better in your careers, in your businesses, in your life. I hope this, you enjoyed it. If you did, please make sure you subscribe to the videos on my YouTube channel at PCTME or just search for Founders Connect and you'll find the playlist and then subscribe to the channel. Also, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening to it. Leave a rating also so more people can find it and also talk about the episode that you listen to. Hashtag Founders Connect across social media. Hey, I'll see you in the next episode. Peace out.